I I want to talk about the experience I had when I went to visit a dog slaughterhouse. When you go visit shelters here, as soon as you walk in, the dogs bark crazy, right? When you go to shelter, it's loud and they because they they want to get your attention and and take me out. But when you when you go into a dog slaughterhouse, it's quiet, very quiet, and. The eerie feeling just make me so uncomfortable. I very quickly realized why those dogs are not barking. They know every time there's a stranger come in, that's the buyer, and one of their dog or themselves will be taken out to be killed. When I walked out, I I was telling all those dogs I left behind the slaughterhouse that please forgive me, I cannot save you today, and but I promise you, I will not let your death in vain, and I will fight for you till I die. What the hell is up, you guys? My name is Jamie Logan, and today I have a very exciting episode for you. I am here with Andrea Gung. She is the founder and executive director of Duo Duo Project, and today we are going to talk about the dog and cat meat trade. This is a topic and issue that I feel like we have the public support with, but it's still a major, major problem. And so we're going to get into the facts of it, how she started the Duo Duo Project, and without further ado. Andrea, welcome. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for caring about this movement. Oh my gosh! Yes, I mean, I think the dog and the cat meat trade is actually what first even drew me into activism and really caring really? about an issue. Wow! You know, that was one of the things that I was adamantly against growing up. I remember、yeah. hearing about it and being like, "What? How is that possible that that exists?" Yeah. yeah. Yet I was eating meat yeah. every single day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and、uh, didn't fully make the connection. But I guess why don't you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about Duo Duo Project? Okay,、um, Door Door Project was founded in 2013, so this is our 10th anniversary. I was like you. I I when I was a kid, I, I was born and raised in Taiwan. So when I was a kid,、um, Taiwan still had this backward practice. When I learned about it when I was 12, I was so mad. And how can anybody eat my beloved dogs? I grew up loving them so much. But then when I grew up.、Um, Taiwan society has evolved, and a lot of people came back from the states. So Taiwan has become a modern society, and the, the dog meat trade and went away. So I I kind of forgot about it. And then I in 2012 I went to China on a business trip, and I that learned about this dog meat trade in China, and I was like I was blown away, and I was angry, and I came back, and I thought I got to do something about this. And also because my experience, I know it can be stopped. Because some people will they'll be laughing at me, say, "Oh, this is it cannot this cannot be done. It's a cultural thing. It's it's actually not a cultural thing, and it can be done." Because I witnessed I witnessed myself, right?、So. Mm-hmm. And you bring up a good point about culture. Does culture justify killing an animal, and does culture justify causing harm to another individual? And what I've come to realize is, no, it doesn't. And I think we have to change and evolve with the times and move away from practices that cause suffering. So I guess, what was it that really connected you to this issue and said, "I'm going to start an organization and fight against this"? Mostly. My love for dogs、mm. and learning about the meat dog and cat meat trade in China brought back the memory, and when I was twelve, 
And back then, I felt I felt so angry, but frustrated and powerless because I was just a kid.、Mm-hmm. So this second time around, I thought I just have to do something. If I walked away from this, now I know about this. I cannot tell people I love dogs. I can only tell people I love my own dogs. Because if I love dogs, I cannot let this thing to continue.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and、uh, so that that. That's how I feel. If I walked away from this, I, the rest of my life really meaningless because this is my calling. Like what you just told me, right?、Mm-hmm. The two days that most important. You say you say、yes. the better. So we were talking a little bit before the podcast started, and I, I was telling Andrea, you know, I've there's a quote by Mark Twain, and the quote is: "The two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why." And You know, veganism, activism, animal rights—that's my purpose, my calling. And then you found your calling with Duo Duo and fighting against this dog and cat yes, trade. Yes. Yes. Who is Duo Duo? Duo Duo is our mascot, and she is the little dog that actually, through her, I learned about the meat trade. I was, uh. I was in a I was on a business trip to China, and I I run run into her. She was being used as、um, they 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 buy they went to the market buy like cheap dogs like Duo Duo because she had no value mixed mixed breed and dirty and so they they paid like ten dollars to buy her for the veterinarian student to practice surgical procedure on her not unnecessary they they were cut. Her stomach opened and sewed it back, so so they practice on her. Then after they're done with that, <clears throat> she's she had no value to begin with. Now she's like a damaged goods, so they're gonna just sell her back to the meat trade. And I so I, when I learned about it, I I asked the 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 clinic to give it the dog to me. I paid the ten dollars, and and then I thought, what is the meat trade? So I started trying to find out. So through her, I learned about this meat trade. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, when I kept her in my little、uh, condo where I was staying, I walk her twice a day. And my neighbor always told me, "Hey, be careful," because I like to let her go and run. She was so happy, you know how they like to run off leash. And the, someone always told me that be careful; the dogs are stolen so quickly here, easily. I said, "Really?" And I didn't know why. Then I realized, yeah, the the trade, the thief, are stealing them. So that's true. Wow! Wow! So it was that one individual that made you learn about this this trade and and get you involved, and now you've created an empire where you're making immense change in this in this movement. And you know, you couldn't be the more perfect person for this. Being Chinese American, being somebody that understands the culture, can relate to people. It's like I couldn't really go into China and be like, "Hey guys,、um, we're not going to be eating dog today," <laughs> you know. Whereas you can really go in and you're like, "This is what this is unacceptable, and this is what we're going to do." So I'm very appreciative of of what you do. Thank you. So can you tell people for those that may not be fully, you know, educated about the topic, how many dogs and cats is this happening to every year? What is the problem? Okay.、Um, first of all, I want to emphasize that this is really not a culture thing. At the most, it's a subculture because only small, only few regions in China that people have this 
backward practice or habit. If you go to China, like if you go visit Beijing, Shanghai, and the big metropolitan, you will not see any dog meat restaurant. And actually, if you ask people who live in those cities, if you stop people like you do on the street, say, "Do you eat dog or cat?" and they'll be so so offended. They they say, "What? How? Why you?" Think I'm such a low class people. I'm well well educated. I'm civilized. I don't eat dogs and cats. So it's it's actually has this negative stigma attached to it. So、mm. it's it's definitely not a culture thing. It actually becomes a racist <coughs> issue and、yes. a racism problem because people will be like, "Well, are you like the Chinese? Do you eat dogs? Do you eat cats?" And it's like. It, as you were just saying, it has nothing to do with being Chinese or not. Yeah, it, I, actually, people kill dogs and cats in the Philippines and in multiple different countries. Yes, and 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 like I said, it's just really subculture. It very few people in China, you know, percentage wise,、mm-hmm. only two or three percent population have this practice. So, and to answer your question, but it's still a big, quite big problem because China is a big country, right? So, every year we have ten thousand estimated because there's this is black market, big black trade. There's no official records, nothing. So, estimated ten million dogs and four million cats been killed illegally for the trade. So, it actually is completely illegal. Yes, which is interesting. <laughs> yes, so. When you guys, as activists, are on the ground, and you are going out there, what are certain actions that you can take? Is the, are the police on your side? You know, like I see that you do truck interceptions. Can you talk about that? What is that? When I say illegal, China does not have any animal welfare law to forbid people to eat dog meat. It is illegal because it, dog meat and cat meat is. Not part of edible meat. So, for example, you can kill your own dog in your backyard and eat the meat. You not commit any crimes. But the dog and cat meat trade in China is they go out to st- steal stray animals and steal people's pets from their backyard. So the whole trade is illegal because, like in, in like in America, you can kill a deer and have your friend to your backyard to barbecue. But you cannot sell meat in the market, right? So dog, the dog meat is illegal because it can, it's not supposed to be a trade. There's no place to inspect the meat, like the pork and beef. You have a, a government、um, supervise the production and everything. But dog meat is totally black market trade. That's why it's illegal. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what truck interception is and how you guys go about? Bringing awareness to the legal issues with this. Okay,、um, I want to talk about、uh, most of、um, you know that China has this one-child policy for the the last thirty years. They just changed it in the last two or three years, so you have you can have two kids. But、uh, in the last thirty thirty five years, one family can only have one child. So that child grew up with no siblings. So they grew up. Their parents were getting a pet. They'll get a dog or a cat or a turtle, a bunny. So that generation grew up loving pets or animals as much as you and I. But of course, the old habit die hard. The older generation still have some of them still have the practice of eating dogs. But young generation is is kind of really being、um, frowned at, and people think you you eat dog. It's like a, you're like old fart, you know. So it 
that the negative schema is really on our side. So those young generation now they're in their thirties, they can drive and they have mo- they have phone, and they have uh, people working in the police station now. So they that's how you started seeing the dog truck being dog truck being intercepted because this is what it what it is like that a young dog lover driving on the freeway and he saw he or she see the truck loaded with dogs and cats and you can smell and you can hear the, the crying and all that so they realized that's an do- illegal dog truck so they will start they will start tweeting away say hey I'm on this freeway and this location come help me to stop this truck so right away my friend was in one of the rescue she said in the first few minutes there's like Almost a hundred people show up, and what they do is they they will they will surround the truck and force the truck get off the freeway and to the rest area, you know the the pit stop, the, the pit stop. So then they keep waiting, and, and my friends say eventually seven eight hundred people came to help. So yeah, and they're all young people. They all had car and they all have mobile. So they become the mobile army for to protect dogs and cats. Yeah, so that that's and then police came right. The police are young too, and if you're lucky, that some of the the police officers they are on your side, and then you can get the dogs released from the truck right away. And sometimes the, the police are not because they they don't want to 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 have the truck in their district. They want you to move to another district so they don't have to take care of the mess because it's like seven, eight hundred dogs. You you need to take care of those dogs. So it all depends. You 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 have a, um, a compassion or people love dogs working for the government. Then the the process will go smoother. Otherwise, you just you have to keep negotiating till the truck is released to the activist. I mean, it's so badass when you think about it, and it also shows the power of social media. Yes, to be able to document what's happening, to be able to tweet or post about it on Instagram, Facebook, and then have people actually show up and perform an action to yes. rescue these animals. Yes, yes. And my friend, she she told me her friend is a, a young vet. And when she was working, and she heard or she she read the notice that there's a truck being intercepted near where she where she is, she she dropped her business, she closed the vet clinic, and she drove over to help. So that's how the young generation they really hate this trade as much as you and I. Wow. Yeah. That's, so can you describe a time where you were actually there? What were you seeing? Describe the smells. Did you connect with one individual animal? What was that like for you? I, I want to talk about the experience I had when I went to visit um, a, do- a dog slaughterhouse. And I don't really like to talk about it because it just, it, you know, I don't want to think about it. It just, it, but anyway, so you know, Jamie, when you when when you go visit shelters here, um, as soon as you walk in, the dogs bark crazy, right? When you go to shelter, it's loud, mm-hmm. and they because they they want to get your attention and and take me out. But when you when you go into a slaughterhouse, a dog slaughterhouse, is quiet, very quiet, and the eerie feeling just make me so uncomfortable. And I very, I very quickly realized why those dogs are not barking. Cause you know, dogs are very smart and very observant. So they know every time there's a stranger come in, that's the buyer and one of their dog or themselves will be taken out to be killed. 
So yeah, so and I thought, oh my god, my poor dogs. You know, the dogs—they're so smart. They saw other dog being slaughtered right in front of their eyes. So every time a stranger shows up, they were so scared. So that that really um, that really um, stayed with me. Gave me this profound influence. And so um, I brought Eric Dordor's dad. The daughter's uh, mascot. Her her dad is uh, Eric, and he's a professional filmmaker. So I took him to be with me to do some undercover filming. Yeah. So after he visited um, two or three dog slaughterhouses, and he came back when he was being interviewed, and that reporter was asking him, uh, Eric. Some sometimes people will say, "Well, we have our." Own problems. Our shelters are full. We have stray. We have you know dog fighting. We have our own problem in our backyard. Why do people have to care about this dog and cat meat trade in China? Yeah. So this is what he said, and um, and uh, this is what I like to to tell people too, is he said, if you love dogs, and if you have ever been to a dog slaughterhouse, you will never ask me this question again. Because it is just cruel and unbearable to see how our beloved dogs had to go through. You know, it's interesting because it's we have created this issue. We have bred these animals into existence. We have then had them end up either at a shelter or in China. Oftentimes, they steal them off the streets. They steal them from people's homes and backyards, and then they bring them to these slaughterhouses and kill them. And you know, it's this creating life to just destroy it. And it's devastating to see. And yeah, these dogs have emotions. They can see, they can smell, they have desires to live. And I think about this in terms of the animals that I work with, which are pigs, cows, turkeys, chickens, who have those same desires, who have those same emotions, who see their friends being killed, who try to hide in the corners of the slaughterhouse floor while their friends are being beaten and and slaughtered. And it's just all disgusting and and devastating. And all for what? For taste? Yeah. For taste pleasure alone? Yeah. It's just really infuriating. And so I'm so thankful for people like you that are, you've picked a specific topic and you're doing incredible work and creating incredible impact in that category for sure. And I just think, you know, generally speaking, people need to, you know, also look into the other foods that they're eating. Yes. Um, mm. What are the, what is the mindset of these people in China that are eating the dogs? Okay. Um, what I have to understand, the whole thing is backward I, I like to use the term barbaric, um, all superstitious myth. They believe, just like they, um, they believe some people use the tiger bones in Asia for treatment. They believe that the, the meat, the dog meat can give them the extra strength, sexual strength, and the dog meat can keep them healthy because the dog, you know, dog's body is warm. So they think Edo's warm meat will keep them warm too in wintertime. So this all superstitious and myth about having dog meat. So it's really not, and it has become a, a delicacy for a certain class of people. I give you an example that if you go to, to Yudin during the dog meat festival time, you will see a bunch of people in their 50s, 40s, late 40s, and they'll drink beer and eat dog meat, and they'll, you know, they don't wear a shirt because they're hot, and they, 
yelling, the noisy, loud. So they like that type of ambiance. And so those people will never go to a steakhouse because they don't like that that quiet, classy feeling. So that that's why people eat dog meat. That class of people, they they when they have a birthday party, they want to have a dog meat as a as a delicacy, special occasion. So they don't steak are much more expensive. So you ask me the 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 mindset is. It's delicacy for them. Do you think that there's a disconnect, though? Like, do you think that these people had never been around dogs or spent time with them? Because I find that a lot of people in our society today that still eat meat, they just haven't spent time with a cow and seen how cuddly and and sweet and kind they are. And maybe it's similar with the dog meat trade in China. Well, you'd be surprised. I used to think like you do, so... And but I want to visit those people. I I want to understand them. So I I socialize with those dog eaters, and they would tell me they would say, "Jamie, I eat dog meat, but I don't eat my dog. I love my dog." And then they would say, "Jamie, the dog meat I eat, I only want to. I only go to this restaurant." And that owner of the restaurant told me they raised those dumb dogs, stupid dogs. They're bred to be eaten. See, they justify their behavior, and so they can eat dog meat. Same thing as a pig. I have a friend who has uh, those mini pig, and and she loves that mini pig so much. But then she she still eat pork chop, right? So there's a disconnect uh, between same thing. So people, some of them have their own dog. They will tell me, I don't eat my own dog. Like, I say, oh, good for you. What can I say? Like, mm, what you just described is exactly what I deal with every single day yeah. when I'm talking to people about veganism. It is the exact same thing. It's the idea that, oh, well, I wouldn't eat my pig, but I, I would eat that pig. Or, oh, like, I only eat animals that are... Uh, stupid. Like we just try to justify things like, oh, chickens only have, you know, a short memory, which is not true. And so we we come up with whatever rationalization and justification to continue our behavior, basically. Since you've taken on this incredibly emotionally driven, intense work, what keeps you going? Is it the achievements or accomplishments? Like what are some of the victories Duo Duo has had? Well, actually, keep me moving is, first of all, the, my love for dogs and cats. And then second of all is I see how young activists in China has been so inspired and and kind of risk their life when they stop the truck on the freeway. That's very dangerous. And then in China, any kind of group activity like that is very risky too. They can be thrown into jail. So that, that courage really kind of touch my heart too and the achievement yes of course I see how things can be changed how hearts and minds are changed through our campaigns now dual dual we have three-pronged approach education which is more like community outreach then we have um, animal care so spay and neuter and the third one is advocacy we want to raise awareness so through education we have put on so many um summer animal welfares in the region that have this practice. And so, because you have to understand, Jamie, in China, a lot of people never had experience, close experience with dogs because the uh, rabies is still a problem in China. So parents would 
tell their kids to stay away dogs when they see a dog. Mm-hmm. Don't 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 touch the dogs. And the street, you know, street dogs can look uh, um, dirty, filthy, right? Dirty, and so they they grow up scared of dogs. So, and as you know, once you have a dog or cat in your arms, your heart will be melt. So we pro- provide as many opportunities for kids to come to our summer camps to have a uh, close-up experience with them. So then they, we, we make them look pretty and they don't look that dirty and they, they're so friendly. So we do a lot of those activities in China, in Yuling, in few cities that have still have this old practice. So through those summer camps, throughout those community outreach, I I have seen the, you can really tell the hearts and minds have changed. And I give you um, an example of this um, young Yuling girl. When I first met her, I say, hi, little girl, do you eat dog meat? And she said, no, I don't. And I say, why don't you eat dog meat? And she said, because, you know, it's to me, the, I, I need to know why she doesn't eat dog, dog meat. And she said, because they are our best friends. I almost dropped that when she said that. So, <laughs> <laughs> in Yuling, the Epic Center, right? The dog meat festival. So later on, we became good friends. And, and she's now got into college. And I, I asked her like, many years later, I said, where did you learn about the dogs are your best friend? She said, through your your campaign, you know, we were there, we talked about dogs are best friends. She never heard this phrase, dogs are our best friend. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. So so that's why they're so out of, um, that's why we, we learn to understand how can those people eat dogs. They just don't, don't see the dog the way we do. And then another thing is we brought in the adopt don't buy we, we we bring a lot of western new concept mm. to educate those people because they never heard about adopt don't buy uh, phrase either yeah then we then we brought in the a birthday party for doggies. We try to humanize dogs, and mm-hmm. so people to see, oh, they have birthdays too. And then we give them name tags because most of the dogs they have on the uh, by the farmer have no names. So we give out the free name tags, and the name tags is like money, and fortune, and they. So we uh, we think once you have give them a color or name, it's so much harder to kill. It's like a cow, mm-hmm. right? If you have a name for this little cow, it's so much harder for people to slaughter. And you realize that they're actually not that much different from us in any way that actually matters. And I think that the root of all injustice is when we start to devalue another being's life based on what they look like, based on their intelligence. Yes. You know, how do we justify intelligence? Fish can breathe underwater for, I mean, can we? No. (laughs) So if you're, you're, you know, calculating how intelligent is somebody based on that scale, we're the dumbest creatures to exactly, exactly. I mean, you could also say human beings are so stupid because we're driving this planet to the ground. You know, how smart can somebody actually be if they're <laughs> driving their only home into the ground, you know? So I, I think that's really, really amazing. That right there is a victory. And that little girl who's now in college is going to go and spread this to her circle. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't end there. Yeah. You know, you have a substantial impact. And I hope that also this gets them thinking, well, if I wouldn't eat a dog or a cat, I shouldn't eat yeah, other exactly. animals. Exactly. We, you know, Jamie, that's what we always tell people. We believe dogs and cats are gateway to a compassion and em- empathy for other animals. Because you and I, we grew up with dogs and cats. That's how we learned about the animals. Yeah, Unfortunately, the cows and pigs, their size 
cannot prevent them from coming to our family room like dogs. So most people will expand the compassion from their dogs and cats to other animals. Mm-hmm. That's what it was for me. You know what I mean? It was yeah. connecting with my dog and then realizing, oh, she's actually not so different than yeah. other animals. And I'll tell you a story quick because I want you to finish your thought. I was on a highway visiting my grandparents in Indiana here in the States. And growing up in New York City, I don't think I had ever really seen a farm animal. Uh-huh. And I was sitting in the car with my dog and right next to us, a pig livestock truck passed by on the highway, oh. looked ex- looked just like one of those dog meat yeah. trucks. The pigs were crammed in yeah. there. There must have been over 40 of them. It was a hot, hot day outside. They didn't have access to food or water. They were panting. They were headed to the oh. slaughterhouse. Yeah. And I just remember feeling really uncomfortable and looking at the truck and looking back at my dog mm-hmm. and thinking... What's the difference mm-hmm. between these animals? I saw individuals. So it, it was actually reconnecting that pork chop that I had probably eaten the day before with that, the individual that it came from. Yes, yes. Yeah, because dogs and cats are co-evolved with us for the last 15,000 years. They, now they're in our living rooms. So um, that's why we, we think to encourage people love dogs and cats will actually will benefit all other animals, right? We um we believe all acts of kindness are important. Like I give my respect to you and all the animal rights because for the same reason we don't want any animals to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you vegan? I'm a vegan wannabe. Okay, I'm you're almost on, there. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get her, you guys. <laughs> I was, I was for a while, but you know, I have a weak moment, you know, like so. But now I'm vegan wannabe. I know everything about vegan movement because I was actually on the board of a vegan uh, animal group. Okay, but when I learned about this dog meat trade, I was like, ah! So I, I left that group and started Duo Duo. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it, it just. It's my calling, mm-hmm. and it's um, so. Once you find your calling, like like if you were working on other activism before you learn about this farm animal veganism, and once you learn about it, you, you would drop out anything to help those farm animals, right? But the beauty of it is that we can support both. Yes, and so every day with our actions, you know, we're not eating dogs every day, right? So. It's one of those things where also we don't have to eat other animals as well while fighting against the dog and cat meat trade, um, which I think is really great. And I love that you're so open-minded to it and you're like, I'm going to get there. Like, uh, that's all it takes yes. is to say, I said to myself when I was on that highway, I said, I think I need to go vegetarian. I didn't <laughs> know about eggs and dairy. Yeah. I said, I want to be a vegetarian. I, yeah. I'm a vegetarian wannabe. <laughs> then I learned about um, eggs and dairy. I was like, okay, I'm a vegan wannabe. And then shortly after, I, I made the effort to do yeah. it. And you know, we are we are both fighting for the same goal. Yes. And we're just on different paths. That's, that's how I look at it. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and we'll, we'll get there. It just, it just takes time. But you think about the 70% of... American family have or had a pet. So through pets, we can really influence a lot of people. Right. And I love how you were saying, you know, dogs and cats are animals that we coexist with. A lot of them are in our living rooms, like yeah. they're family. Yeah. And, you know, uh, 
I think the disconnect there is that a lot of people don't have cows in their living room and, yeah. and don't have pigs that, you know, are living in their house because they're too big and, they, you know, they can't. But, you know, even wild animals, for example, just because we as humans don't connect to some animals, like there might be a pigeon or something flying yeah. by, just because I don't have a personal connection with that pigeon doesn't mean that they don't have the right to life. Exactly. Exactly. No, they all have a right to to be free from suffering. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that we, the, you know, Dodo's message will never say anything about dogs and cats are more important than other, other mm-hmm. animals. It's just the, the, what we're focusing on. And we believe for, if we focus, we pick our fight and give all the resources and devoted everything to it, we can be more successful and more powerful. Mm. So I totally agree with you there. I think it's super important in any social justice movement to be strategic. Yes. And to actually be able to look at, okay, how can I move the needle a little bit? How can I have these milestones and victories? And by picking certain and specific causes, you can do just that. I mean, even in my advocacy for for against fur. We go and we protest certain designers. We pick a specific target, protest, 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 you know, advocate, work on legislation. We get the change moving on to the next. That's very smart. That's what activism is really all about. You mm-hmm. got to do it smart. Yes. Yeah, don't get emotional. Be, you know, be specific. Take one fight at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And so, like, what are your plans for the future with Duo Duo? This is our tenth anniversary. Um, we, I think I, I I always told my friends or people that I know I learned everything about how to end this terrible dog and cat meat trade in China. All I need is time and money. So from what I learned is we have to change the hearts and minds, and how to change hearts and minds most effective way is education, the summer camps or the camp the painting, all those things for kids to have a chance to be close to dogs and cats, right? So that's what I learned and what I decided that that's what we're going to focus on. And uh, and then through education, we change people's hearts and minds. We reduce the demand of eating dogs and cats. Then we're also bringing the Western uh, vet to help local young vets to do less invasive and quick spare neuter procedures. So we reduce this uh, supply for for uh for the stray animals. Oh, this, is that this thunder? Th- that's un- thunder. Well you I think that's really smart because if there's no demand for these products no there's demand, no killing. No yeah. supply. Yeah. No yeah we attack from both ends. We we reduce the supply by re- bringing the Western spare neuter skills and we uh, we reduce the demand by through education. Right. Yeah. And so are there specific breeds of dogs that these people try to take and kill, or are they killing golden retrievers, you know, chihuahuas, or what's the range here? At the beginning, those butchers or thieves, they they just steal whatever, and they, they like the big dogs because they sell them by the weight, right? So they try. Then later on, I think they are more educated that, oh, golden retriever, for example, if you sell them as a pet, you can make more money than sell them as a meat. So now the butchers will separate the pure breed from other the mixed breed. And there's a local breed, the Chinese Chinese breed. And p- 
people are convinced those local breed are not as worthy or smart as golden retriever as a lab. So they think they they can be eaten. That's what they try to tell you. Oh, I eat those dumb breed, but they they don't know they actually eat the whatever they eat are stolen from the street from people's backyard. The the restaurant owner won't won't tell that. Why do they think that that breed is dumb? What what about them makes them any different from any other type of dog? See, the thing that they they think that breed is dumb because those breed are are raised on the mostly on the countryside and left. In the backyard, they never being socialized, so they they just and there's so many of them because they're local breed, right? So they when you have a lot of them, you don't think they are they have special value. But mm-hmm. golden retriever has that look and it's expensive. It's just like once in a while we have our special breed that got so popular, right? Mm-hmm. So just the local breed are just too many. They're everywhere. They're just like. Not not value, so they they say they're dumb. They're not dumb. They're actually very smart. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, though, they still steal people's dogs from the backyards, and they're just really taking anyone at this point. Yes, let me give you a, a story that one of the truck interception. You, after that, I I went to China and I interviewed some of the, the young people who did that, and I said, "Hey, tell me what makes you be so brave." To stop the truck and do all those things, because you know very well you can either be killed by that truck or you can be thrown into jail. And this is what he told me. He said, "I lost my dog to the trade." He didn't know he was in. He lived in Beijing and having a good time like a young kid. Social media played the video games and all that. Until one day his dog disappeared, so he started checking it online and learned about this trade. So young people in Beijing didn't know about it. So she got so mad, and so angry. So when she stopped that truck, she told me she feel like she's doing something to redeem his guilt that mm. he didn't protect his dog. He see all those dogs are his dogs that he's trying to save. I see. That's、yeah. so beautiful. And、yeah. he is, you know, by saving other lives,、yeah. it's not his fault that the, the, these thieves stole their dog.、Yeah. And this is an uncomfortable question. I'm curious, and it's just you know for the information of it. But how are these dogs killed? Because I have heard that when they are beaten, people think that it actually tastes better. Yeah, that's actually one of the myths that Western Westerners have created. I I think it happens individually. Maybe some cruel, stupid guy believed in that and did that, but in In general, the trade is not like that. Because I was there, I saw how they did it.、I'm、try not to gross you out, but no, tell us. <clears throat> We want the facts. What's happening? They um,、uh, they don't really torture them because you know, if you're a business person, you want to kill as many dogs as quickly as you can, sell as many meat as you can. You don't want to waste time to feed and torture them, right? And if throw them into The water alive. Why would you do that? Because the dog can splash water all over the place. How do you handle a dog? So it doesn't make sense at all. They they want to kill as many dogs as possible. So occasionally, maybe a dog was not killed completely, and got thrown into the the boiling water and make splash. But they didn't do it 
intentionally.、Mm. So you know they did how they how they killed. There are two ways. Okay, the the small scale. When we say slaughterhouse, don't think about our modern slaughterhouse. It is a small rundown warehouse they rented. It was very primitive to kill those dogs. They. You want to know? Yeah. Okay, you see those cages that they put the dogs in the truck. Those they jamming so many dogs in a small cage, and sometimes the dog does not want to go in, and they will break their legs to push them in. And so, if the small cage like this high, this long, they can put in the seven or eight small dogs in that small cage, two or three or four big dogs. So then, when they drag them down from the truck and Then drag them into the slaughterhouse. So they open the front gate of the the cage, and they use a stick to push the dog out. And the butcher stay in front of the 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 open door and kill the dog with a big stick, knock it out, and then then the other one cut the throat that the dog bleed to death. So they do hit them <laughs> over the head. They hit over the, the head, not because they want to torture them, because it's primitive. I mean, they're they're the operation is. The whole thing is backward, primitive. They don't have the equipment. Okay. Yeah, they don't have the modern, the modern equipment that we have. Okay. I mean, it sounds awful and torturous, and yeah, that just goes to show that is there really a right way to kill someone? Yeah. No, yeah. there's yeah. really not.、Um, I mean, horrific. How horrific? There's this group called Elwood Organic Dog Meat. Have you heard of them?、Mm-mm. Basically, it's a it's a social media page, and They post humane and free range and organic dogs that are sold to be butchered and packaged, and they show pugs and golden retrievers and all these dogs. They name them, and then they show their body parts packaged up on the sh- the shelves for sale. The trick here is that this is not actually a real organization. It's fake, and it's to show the hypocrisy of the meat industry, okay, and how there's family farms, and they call it organic and free range, and oh, we're a family farm, like you know, this is our cow Daryl. He's so cute, and now he's packaged up、uh, as a ribeye on the shelf. Yeah, you know, it's、yeah. so hypocritical, and so Elwood Organic Dog Meat has managed to to do this, and people are. Outraged. If you if you go to their page and check out, you'll see <laughs> that the, there's comments on there of people, you know, leaving these nasty comments. I'm gonna shut you down. I'm gonna make sure that you never, you know, get to operate ever again. And it's this fire inside us to, to protect dogs and cats. But then at the end of you, if you go to the website, you see that they're fake. They're yeah, not actually.、Yeah. But yeah, it's um. It's torturous. It, it is so awful and horrific. And I wanted to ask you, what are things that we can do to support you, Jamie? You being a young, beautiful influencer that care about this is a big help. That's what we need the most. If social media influencer like you to talk about our mission and let people know, so that that's how we also look for. And and another thing, of course, funding donation. And、uh, we also need. Connections like I was talking about, connected with influencers, and we also like to connect with corporation because nowadays the corporate social responsibility is a big thing. So if anybody listen to this program, have good connection with corporation. Let just let just say Chewy. If someone have a connection with Chewy and maybe build a partnership with us and 
work. We can work together and、mm. uh, do. We can be so much more powerful if we we have a partner from the corporation world.、Mm-hmm. So connections and <clears throat> money and advocacy like influencers. If there, we we need the most. Yeah, I think that we have an obligation to speak out against oppression and against these issues, and that, that's I trust me did not see my life going down this path at all. I was kind of like a wild card in high school, very party focused,、really? a little out there, still am out there, <laughs> a little wacky. But、uh, yeah, it, it, it got to a point where I couldn't look at this suffering and then not do anything to try and change it. And it required me at least to look internally and and say, "Oh my gosh, I've been wrong all of these years. I've been participating in mass suffering. I've been paying for animals to have their throat slit, and I had to look internally and say I was wrong." And with this issue specifically, I think it's it's easier to garner that support because most people, at least here in America, don't eat dogs and cats and don't feel personally attacked. By your advocacy, like you're not saying you need to change your way of life to the people here in America. You're saying it to people that are in certain areas of China that are eating the dog. We need to stop this. But here in America, we can all be on board and be like, we love our dogs and cats. We don't want to eat them. And even if we don't love dogs and cats, we still know that it's wrong to harm them. Yeah, I think,、uh, like I said, I really have respect for the animal rights、mm-hmm. organization because.、Um, It's so much work need to be done, right? Like, I I didn't learn about the cruelty of、uh, the the diet、uh, dairy industry until in my fifties.、Mm-hmm. So you know, all these years I've been told to drink milk is healthy and make you. Know, so we we need, but you know, you you you're fighting against corporation. It it it, it is hard and the meat industry. So. So I really have a lot of respect for you, you especially young people, because this is like really a, un, a major undertaking to do. It is, and it's emotionally stressful too. I mean, there's days where I feel very overwhelmed by it. You、yeah. know, when I go on social media and I'm seeing all of these like horrific photos and videos of animals being killed, and and also I see pictures of my friends and family eating them. That's the the worst part to me is that the people that I love are the reason why these problems are happening. It's like I am fighting. This is my cause. This is my purpose. I'm fighting this issue with all my heart. And then I go home, and in my parents' refrigerator are body parts of the animals I'm trying to save. And that's really hard. And it boils down to social norms. We have to have some sort of rebellious nature in us to to not follow the crowd、yeah. and to be like, you know what? I'd rather be standing alone than with the crowd if I'm if it means that I'm going to be doing what's right and what's just. And you know, I've had people over the years, people that I love, call me crazy, be like, "You're so far gone. What is wrong with you? She's some crazy vegan now." And you know what? One day they're going to understand and they're、yeah. going to come around because one day this is not going to be normal. And、yeah. in 25, 30 years from now, I promise you, we are going to look back on the treatment of animals and we are going to be disgusted with what we did to them. Yeah, and it's it's going to be. Socially unacceptable, just like eating dogs and cats is at least here in America. And Jamie, I want to say that don't feel you're alone. 
you're not alone. There are mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of animal lovers. If they are, they are not vegan, like me, vegan wannabe, we all, we are working toward the, the ultimate goal is to not to use animal products. You know, no lab t- testing, no testing on animals, no. Yeah, so. There are a lot of people supporting your cause too, and we we just we working like I like how you put it. We all work together, mm-hmm. support each other, because we only pick one fight at a time. We can only do this much. So, uh, but we're all going toward the same ultimate goal. I just went on different paths, a different stage. I, we we sort of touched on this earlier, but day to day, you know, when you are seeing what's happening to the dogs and cats. Um, how do you emotionally handle this stuff? I think I am uh, older than you. That's one big benefit of being older. I can put things more in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I guess people will say, Jamie, you're so crazy. Why are you wasting your life fighting for cows and pigs? But those are your calling, right? That you love them. Same as me. I love dogs ever since I was a kid. So I just feel like I am, I am born to do this. And uh, God knows how many years I will still have to live. But before I die, I really want to see some changes and make a big dent to this trade. So that's what really keep me going. And, and I feel so committed. And also I visited the slaughterhouse when I walked out. I, I, I was telling all those dogs I left behind in the slaughterhouse that, please forgive me, I cannot save you today, And but I promise you I will not let your death in vain, and I will fight for you till I die. So I make that commitment to those poor animals I left behind. Mm-hmm. So in seeing young activists in China, how they're fighting so hard, it just um, really motivates me a lot. That's the hardest part about animal rescue is is thinking about the ones we had to leave behind. Yeah. That is the hardest part. But also using them as a reminder of why we need to keep working as hard as we are and keep doing what we're doing. Um, It really is something that we are going to change and justice can't last forever. And just like... You know, 100 years ago when we're dealing with civil rights issues, we're dealing with the feminist movement and women's rights issues. Uh, activists weren't always liked during their times. But now we look back and we're like, actually, you know, what they did was courageous. It was bold. It was brave. And thank God that they did do that because some people say, oh, I'm just one person. What kind of impact can I have? And the truth is that that one person a small group of people are the only ones that ever made a big change. Um, And Margaret Mead had that quote. And it's so true that um, even just to that one animal that you save, you might not be changing the whole world just yet, but that whole world for that one animal has changed. Exactly. Exactly. And, and one thing I always um, encourage my activists, young activist team members, sometimes they feel so, you know, hopeless, frustrated, like you you probably feel the same way then. And I always remind them, you think about during the the uh, women movement, it took them about 70 years to get the right to vote. If you are right in the middle, you don't see, you, you don't think you will ever see the light of a tunnel because you're in the middle, you don't see the light. And so, and the civil rights too, like 
the 400 slavery, when you are born in the middle of those 200 years, how would you ever imagine that one day we'll have an African-American be the president, right? So, no, it will happen, but we are in this middle part of the road, so you will feel like, oh, there's no no hope. No, it, there is always hope because anything that's not just, any injustice will go away. Everybody likes to always, you know, side with the the movements, you know, in the past and be like, yeah, like I'm against racism. I'm against sexism. Oh my gosh, the Holocaust was horrible, which, okay, that's a good thing that they're doing that, right? But I always like to tell people, if you were a person living in those times, how would you have reacted? Would you have just gone with the social norm and been like, oh, okay, the Jews are getting killed. It's okay. Let me turn a blind eye. Or would you be underground trying to help give them refuge? And would you actually be standing against it if you were in those times? And the way that you would know what you would be doing is what you are doing right now in times of injustice. That's a good way to put it. I always doubt. I always wonder what I would have done because that's cor- courageous for people to protect those Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And I, I always had tremendous respect for those heroes. Putting your life on the line for yeah. others, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that we all have a place in this movement, whether it's, you know, sharing things on social media. That's like the bare minimum that we can do as as fellow humans, and you guys can please go check out Duo Duo and share their their content and help educate others about this. There's other things that you can do, like if you are a videographer, if you're an editor, if you're an artist, you could create graphic designs and volunteer with different organizations. Yes, yes. So you guys can go check out Duo Duo and their work. You can go to Duo Duo Project on Instagram. You can also go to their website. It's just Duo Duo Project dot org. That's D U O D U O Project dot org. And I'll also link the other social handles in the show notes. Yes, yes. I'm so grateful for you coming on here. And I know after this conversation, you're going to go vegan. So that's exciting. <laughs> trying, trying, yes. What's the hardest part for you? To give up my fish. I love fish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I always love fish. And, and I feel less um, terrible to eat fish compared to cows and pigs. So. Why is that, though? It just, you know, I don't know. But maybe because I love eating them, I had to find a way to you know, reduce my guilt. Yeah, because it's that disconnect, right? It's that, oh, they're like those dog breeds that are dumber. Yeah. The fish are dumb, so yeah. let's just not eat them. We have to look at these are all individuals with their own mindset, their own feelings. And just because we don't necessarily connect to fish and have them sleep and, and cuddle with us yeah. doesn't mean that they don't have the right to live, right? Yeah, yeah. You're almost there. I know you get it. <laughs> I, I used to like fish too, but now there's so many great vegan fish substitutes. You don't even miss it. Like today, mm-hmm. I'm going to Beyond Sushi for dinner. Oh, really? Beyond Sushi is a great vegan restaurant with amazing sushi. We have a lot of those new restaurant a vegan popping up in the bay area oh. yeah so see what people you are been? moving forward shazen in san francisco is an amazing vegan sushi place oh really shazen okay i'll try it yeah. gotta go try it there's like lines outside of the place it is just absolutely delicious 
So I think, yeah, we are moving well, in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. And as it becomes more convenient and, and accessible, yes. Yes. it's only going to be easier. Yes. But we have to stand against the crowd. We're on the same team here. Guys, please go check out Duo Duo. Support in any way you can. I'm so appreciative of you listening to this episode. It was so interesting for me to hear just the parallels between your world and my world in, in veganism and see how this, you know, disconnect with dogs and cats of like the people that are eating them there is basically the same as people that eat all other animals, pigs, cows, chickens, turkeys, yeah. fish. Yeah. And, and Jamie, just I like to emphasize is yeah, some vegans might, you know, Sometimes they they come to uh, criticize us not caring about cows and pigs. It dogs and cats are really a gateway to compassion, empathy for all animals. And we picked a fight because I know how to do it from my background, as you said, Chinese American. So we picked a fight, and we want to focus on this fight. And we will all get there together, not mm. criticize or attacking each other. We are yeah. not, guys, we are not attacking anybody. I'm watching you um, <laughs> because we really do need to work together. And Andrea is doing amazing work. And yeah, and I think you do understand the f- the philosophical issue. You get yes. that, you know, nobody should be eaten here and that the slaughterhouses that you've been to in China that are full of dogs are the exact same, actually... You, yeah, they're they're the exact same as the slaughterhouses of our farmed animals, uh, except it's happening to way less dogs and cats versus the 80 billion um, farmed animals. It's, it's horrific. Um, but yes, no attacking. We want to support all and both causes, and it is a gateway. Once people can connect to, hmm, I'm not going to eat dogs and cats. Well, maybe I won't eat other animals too, because what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, San Francisco had... People have more dogs than kids. Yeah, so it's very important to build compassion through people have pets. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Who <laughs> wants kids anyway? Dogs are way cooler. All right, well, on that note, guys, I'm Jamie, and Andrea was so kind to join us today. Thank you so much for watching. You can check out my stuff at It's Jamie's Corner, itsjamiescorner.com, and go to duoduoproject.org to also see some more of the amazing work Andrea is doing and find ways that you can get more involved. All right, until next time, bye. Thank you for caring. Thank you, Jamie, for having me.